0: Okay, well good morning everyone. Scott, I'm assuming it says we're on air, so I'm assuming you're we're live. So good to uh to see everyone. Um kind of seems a little odd up here on on the pedestal way above everybody and there's only like six people here, but this is this is kind of what we've got this morning. Now I'm I am so um I have a lot of mixed human emotions up here this morning. Um, They're good, but um, I have a lot that I want to share. You have a three-pager. I've got an 11-pager, and it's only because I've got the scriptures and stuff like that that I'm going to kind of peruse through, but uh, many of you know that over the last few months, I've been going through a major transition um, in... Uh, the job situation. And I'm I'm trying to chronicle this, you know, we're one of the days of being chronicle, you know, chronicles are things that are written and much like during during biblical times. And um it's been a roller coaster ride, and I'm serious. It has been up and it, down, up, and then at a standstill at times. And what I mean by that is I accepted a job almost three, going on four weeks ago. (laughs) I accepted the job and was not able to step into it until um, Friday morning. (laughs) It's been almost a month after I accepted, put in writing my John Hancock, signed it, dated it, and scanned it and sent it back in. And I can tell you, our government at every level needs major change. And this is nothing revolutionary, but you know, we we all know that our our government. Now, I'm not speaking evil over our government. I'm just merely stating facts. And now I have a, a experience at the state level and the federal and i'm telling you it is an absolute mess (laughs) when you try to get anything done it's an absolute mess i was laid off and i'm going to do a little timeline and then we'll, we'll, we'll get into this i was laid off july the 21st of this year one day prior to us leaving on vacation to go to Florida. Timing was terrible, but you know what? The Lord knew all that. Remember, I always, you always hear me say, everything is father-filtered. It is. <laughs> the issue we have is with our humanness. And we try to figure everything out. Why did this happen? And we go through all these g- mental gymnastics of trying to figure out why all the details when we need to know... If God didn't want that to happen what would he have done he would have stopped it he could have easily right but it was time to move on and it was time for me to learn to discern timing and transition those are not easy things for us to learn as human beings but I'm I'm much better at it now I'm not no nowhere near a a expert level by any means but that happened that day and immediately my first thought was oh my god we need to cancel our vacation you know we start thinking all these things we need to do and I'm like no 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 let's let's go you know and 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 so that Monday morning I couldn't apply for unemployment that month, that day because it was already Friday and they're already closed they don't work on the weekends imagine that our government doesn't work on the weekends but anyway that's another story altogether. So that Monday morning while I was on vacation, I'm on the phone, and I get everything going that I need to. I'm doing the things that I know I need to do, okay? And then just kind of trusting the plan and the process in the midst of the plan. Those are different. The plan and the process are two different things. (laughs) They work together, and it's up to us to trust the process of Yahweh in the midst of it that is so difficult at times we use these terms like it's something that's just so easy and it's it's easy for him because he knows the beginning from the end right he's the alpha the omega he, he everything but we're we're like we see the beginning we don't see the end. We see nothing in between <laughs> with that trans- transition points. And all in the while, he's like, I've got you there as a people so that you can learn. Don't worry about all the details. That's my job. <laughs> and I'm sharing this because, you know, there's a lot of internal struggles and battles that we face in our carnality because of. Sin entering into the world, it started you know, with humans in the garden, but it started way before that with the enemy where iniquity entered in and he was removed from heaven. So that, that was the original sin, as it were. <laughs> Even though in Bible college, you know, they teach you the original sin was on the garden. Oh, no, 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 no. Let's go further back. The very beginning, the archae. it was with the enemy, right? The source of all sin and all iniquity comes from Satan himself, not humanity. So we deal with all of the iniquity that's within us. <laughs> we deal with the possibility of missing the mark. I've not even mentioned the enemy. So all these battles are going on. So we, we go on vacation. While I'm there, I'm vacationing. I'm job searching like a madman. Working, vacationing back and forth, doing what I need to do, not sitting, you know, in in the lazy boy doing nothing, because I don't really think that we need to be idle. I think the Lord asks us to do things, and when He sees that we're doing it, then He steps in to, you know, to really, really help us out even more. So I don't expect, you know, a handout. I don't expect you to have this or that given to me. But all along this way, He's been just constantly. Reminding me, do you trust me? And I'm like, no, no, no. Do you trust me in the process and my plan? Two questions now. And it's like, Lord, I'm kind of like the guy that brought his young boy. The disciples couldn't do anything. And the father brings his, his only son and says, I brought these, these, this, my young boy to the disciples and they could do nothing. He said, bring the boy to me. And we know the story, right? And I'm like the father. I'm like, Lord, uh, I trust you most of the time, but help me during the times that I don't trust you <laughs> or when there's unbelief and there's doubt and things that try to creep in because it does. We're human. But even in our humanness, God does impossible things. He removes obstacles that seem insurmountable (laughs) that's hard to fathom right because we believe yet there's times where there's unbelief that trickles in and god's not there to just just beat us down he's there he never leaves us nor forsakes us And he doesn't say, well, you know what? If you enter into a point of unbelief, Les, I'm going to forsake you the moment that thought comes, right? He doesn't operate and function in his divine nature the way we do. He does not. His ways are truly not our ways. And that's taken on uh, further meaning for me and my family. (laughs) And I'm learning so much about who he is and what he can do And when he does things, and it's not subject to me. (laughs) It's not. (laughs) It's not. I cannot force him to do anything apart from the will that he's predestined to occur for me or for you. We cannot force that. We cannot make it happen, as I hear a lot uh, in, 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 in the corporate world. Oh, well, it's just... You just do it hard enough and quick enough. Oh, we can make this stuff happen. When we were talking about the eternal things, you may try to bend his arm and he might break yours. He may he may decide to give you a um a Jacob like encounter where you wrestle with him and you get up and your your hips all out of socket or you know what I'm saying? We can't we just can't do that with the Lord. Well, we can, but it's not gonna be very helpful. <laughs> So I'm learning that, and there's no, nothing. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So as we, as we go through, you know, the initial steps of unemployment, and I call in, I find out, you guys have heard me say this, I believe. I found out somebody had fa- filed a fraudulent claim against me, so I had to go through a a lengthy process of getting a fraud case removed how do you do that well you call in and you sit back and you wait for austin to take it and run with it and after three or four days here nothing i call back and there's like um um well the unemployment office their hands are tied they can't do anything you have to wait on austin i'm like man this is ridiculous so weeks have gone by weeks i did not get my first unemployment check till seven weeks later It took all this time to get a fraudulent claim removed. And then when I finally got the answer, you know know where the grace cure came in the midst of this? Believe it or not, Trish said one evening to me weeks ago, she said, why don't we go to social media and see if any of our friends or family has encountered this before and see if they have a solution or, in my case, an evangelistic grace cure that will elevate us out of this practical way and so we did and Cassie McClure well, no you know she's married now she said yes I had this happen during the pandemic and I said well what did you do she said well I I found email addresses for all of our state representatives and some others and I I blasted out an email to all of them and she said within just a matter of of no time at all That within that same day my fraudulent claim was removed I said do you have those email addresses save me some time here (laughs) I didn't have to go searching because that was a whole nother and she said yeah she sent them to me and that next morning it was late one night that next morning I got up and I sent this out and within 30 minutes a TWC representative in Austin messaged me back and, and, and said, "Hey, I'm sorry this has happened to you. Uh, please call me, and we'll work this thing out. We'll get this thing removed, get everything set up." So I immediately started conversations with this person, and within less than a day, the fraudulent claimers removed. The new uh, unemployment claim was set up, and the process was in motion. And she said, "It'll take a few days, but then I'm gonna I'm gonna send in a request to ex- expedite this." and for you to get every bit of your payment retroactive back. So I got a whole month's worth of back pay for unemployment, but it took seven weeks. And so I'm, I'm I'm explaining this process at the state level. Now, I said four weeks ago I accepted a job offer. My original start date was September the 12th. Man, I'm just so thankful and grateful, you know, the Lord did this thing, and then all of a sudden... As I'm going through these processes, I get an email from the federal government, the Homeland Security. And this one of the the, the, the security officer says, Hey, um, um, we we haven't received your they have all these forms and OFS 306 form. And I'm like, Well, what do you mean you don't have it? I um um I, I submitted this on 31 2022, before I made a second journey back to Florida. I said, What do you mean? And I even sent the 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 verification email that comes straight from the government to them and I said no no that's here it is right here come to find out when you submit that form it, it expires in five days I didn't know that five days and I thought well why are you just now responding three weeks later three weeks later So I had to start the whole process all over again, fill out the OF306 form, and they were threatening me to go, we're getting ready to cancel your application. and So I'm starting communications with the employer going, hey, what's up with this? This is craziness. I submitted it on this date. They dropped the ball. They messed up, not me, and they're wanting to try to threaten me and say I can't get this clearance and this and that. And I'm like, this is not right, so I'm getting... My human side is beyond frustrated. Man, I, I'm, I, my, my flesh is like ready to just tell them all off. Tell them how the cow eats the cabbage. I don't know why cows eat cabbage, but, you know, anyway, that's another story all in and of itself. So I stayed the course. I kept my mouth shut. I Yes, I said, Lord, forgive me because I had some very ungodly things I wanted to decree, declare, or whatever that were not of his spirit. And so I I willingly went in, and within minutes I had this form filled out again. I mean, it takes minutes. And my first thought was, why did you just now wait three weeks later to tell me that i got to do this all over here? Why not? So come to find out the government is so far behind, at least that's what they're saying, that they don't have enough staff And every person that's trying to get some form of clearance is going through this same process. In fact, there's another person that this company's hired. That person lost their clearance. They were up for renewal. They lost the clearance because the government did not move quick enough to get it done. And I'm thinking, okay, this is nuts. I mean, we've all heard how, you know, they... We know this, but I'm telling you, it's totally different when you're in the thick middle of it and your livelihood's at stake. And I'm like, man, I'm ready to go to work. What are we waiting on? Let's go. Let's move. And and the company is telling me, I'm like, can you apply more pressure? Do something. And they're like, we're at the mercy of the federal government. And I went, oh, my God. Of all places to be at the mercy of, I do not want... That mercy, yes, but not the federal government. And so I'm watching it just unfold day by day, week by week, and and I'm and I'm, every Monday morning I've been pinging my employer, going, "Hey, what's the status here? What's the status?" Oh, they're still behind. I'm sorry, we're going to push your job out a week. Push it out. Keep pushing it out. Weeks and weeks and weeks. And here it is, um, almost a month later. And so here's what here's what I did last week. I had another employer that we were. I went through four major interviews. I mean, it was very extensive. Three to four months, just four interviews. (sighs) Kind of over the top, to be honest with you. And so I I felt, you know what, since I'm getting kind of the runaround, I I knew that, I felt this was the job. I really did. I I really did. But all this opposition and all this stuff here was kind of um, got me to doubting. And so I, I reached out to the other employer, and I said, listen, here's the deal. I'm scheduled, and I, just, I was honest as I could be. I said, I accepted an offer, and it's taken a lot longer for me to get in the position. It's a federal government job, and they're like, oh, okay, we understand now. Um, I said, if you're still interested, I'd, I'd like to maybe pick up where we left off. And uh, I was at the point where they were gonna, the director was gonna recommend me to the president of the company, because he likes to always interview and talk to them and get to know you, supposedly. It's kind of odd, but, you know. Um, I said, sure. So we discussed and we talked, and I said, I am walking in the door uh, near Dallas City Hall this Wednesday, this coming Wednesday. I said, going for fingerprinting and badging, part of the process. It should have been done shortly after 8.31, but it didn't get done. And... Um, if, if you're willing to kind of talk things through and we can kind of come to an agreement, I said, um, I would be willing to go to work for you instead because I'm tired of all this. And I said, okay, great, great. And, um, I, we got to talking, and, and she said, well, I, 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 your salary requirement, I took this to the directors, and they were like, man, there's no way we can meet that. I'm like, what are you talking about? And so she threw out this number, and I said, where'd you get that number from? I said, I never said that. She's like, oh, that's what I got in my notes. And I said, no, this was our... And I, I, I hearkened back. I said, no, no, this is what I said. Oh, okay. So that changed everything. And I'm like, okay. So we chatted a few minutes. And to make a long story short, I put out some demands. Sha'al, some requests. Not necessarily God, God heard this, but it was putting the demand on the employer. And I said, here's what I need. Okay, if you want me to go to work for you, and I will, if. Because she wanted me to commit without an offer letter. I said, born at night, not last night. I need something in writing. <laughs> Nothing is binding. Is it my, is it my word against yours I ain't cutting it. So I said, here's what I need. One step remaining, get me in front of the president. And mind you, this company is based out of Tampa, Florida. They just got blasted by Ian. And so I know y'all have got situations going on, but she said, and, and they have a, a, this t- entire week, next week, a whole conference going on where they've got hundreds of people that have already scheduled. They've got, so they've got millions wrapped up in this conference. And I said, I know this is a, this is a strict demand, but surely you're, you're in HR. Get me in front of your president by tomorrow. My whole day is open, morning, afternoon, night, I don't care. So I left it wide open. That way, they can come back and say, Well, no, she said, Well, I'm not, my, I'm not my president's wife and all this stuff. I said, Ma'am, I said, I, You ain't got to tell me all that. I understand that. You're the recruiter. Good grief. Cut to the chase. And I said, Listen, <laughs> you guys should be laughing about that. I'm like, What's she's thinking? I know you're not his wife. I hope not. And so I said, Let's do that. Number one. Number two is I said, um, I need an offer letter from HR. Let's come to agreement with the salary and get me an offer letter before Wednesday. That's Monday, Tuesday—plenty of time. If you, I've already been through the process, right? I thought. So she said, "Okay, let me see what I can do. I can't make any promises." I said, "I'm not telling. I'm not asking for a promise. These are the demands. These are my requests that must be met. I'm getting ready to walk in the door to begin this process." So I slept on it, and the night before, the Lord gave a dream. And in this dream, it spoke about employment. And the employer, it wasn't literal, it wasn't a literal interpretation, but it was a previous employer. And I was in, I saw specific faces. I knew the employer. And and, and as I walked into these scenes, and it was an education environment, I knew that I felt very uncomfortable and it wasn't a good fit. So you should be thinking the same thing I'm thinking, okay, okay, this thing that started to materialize that I reached back in to try to make happen, the Lord showed a dream the night before and said, you may want to rethink this. I'm not wanting you to go into this, and so that next morning I woke up, and which was Friday, this past Friday. And I hadn't intended going this deep into this, but maybe, you know, who knows. You, you never you never know. You sit there, you're employed, but you six months from now you may not be, so this might be for you. Um, so Friday morning I got up, and I was just going through my normal routine. I'm doing a lot of writing right now, which I'm grateful for during this time off. And I forget which one of these. Uh, there's There was a whole cascade of three different employers that just started opening up Friday morning. I'm like, I went from one to three, just like that. Um, I had an interview with a company called Alpine, a huge company all over America. They're expanding into Canada and overseas. Great conversation about being a, a technical trainer for this company. And the, the the pay was better than any of the other two. Never be motivated by money. I'll just say that. <laughs> been there done that and you can be miserable in it joy and happiness and, and loving what you do is more important than money and so that interview went great and i thought wait a minute this this might be this might be the one all these other things that are transpiring here might be an indicator that the lord might be saying i'm saying might because i didn't know this might be the job because it was a perfect fit no sooner than i can hang up uh get off that call that that initial phone call with that new prospective employer that i texted the employer whom i accepted the job with and i said you know what i said um i just got an email from homeland security and the security guy saying it's going to take another two weeks for any of the security clearance to be done or more And and at that point, man, I was just beyond frustrated. And I texted, and I still got it here on my phone. I said to the employer, I said, you know what? i got to be honest with you. I'm beyond. This is ridiculously frustrating for me. I said, this is not your fault because, again, they said, we're at the mercy of who? The federal government. And she said, you know, I said, I said, I need to talk as soon as possible because I mean, I I gotta know. I, you can't, I can't get going from week to week to week. Going, oh, I got a job. Well, I got a job. No, I don't. Oh, yes, you do. It's just constant back and forth. And so she said, I've been reaching out to some people internally, and I've reached out to our chief technology officer. He's gonna call you if he hadn't already done that. I said, he has not called. Understood. Call me anytime. <laughs> and so within ten minutes, this gentleman. Whom I've got to meet, who's from Sweden. His name is Milan. He calls me and he said, "Hey, Mark, how you doing?" I said, "I am very frustrated," and that's exactly what came out of my mouth (laughs) because I was, I was, I was just. I mean, you can imagine. You've all been through major frustrating things, and he said, "Yeah, I'm. I'm really, really sorry." And he said, "That's what I called about." And he said. I know things aren't going quite like they should, and they normally don't take this long. We don't want to lose you. Can you start Monday morning? And I first of all, I was like, stunned. I'm like, because all I'd been hearing for weeks and weeks and weeks was, you got a job. Oop, we got to push it out. Oop, we got to push it out. Just keep, you know, so I'm like, um, well, you know, I said, let me, first thing I said was, I need to, Discussed this with my wife because I knew this other thing had materialized and I wouldn't want to close the door there. So after I said, give me an hour, he said, he said, he said, he said, sure, no problem at all. And then he starts going down the line. He starts saying, well, here's some of the things we're going to be doing for you that are already set in motion. He says, I've already got an internal path set up for you. promotions because of what you've done and your experience. Salary increases. And I'm I'm just sitting, I ain't saying a word. I'm just listening. I'm like, oh, that sounds great. That's wonderful. Uh, And so he's saying all this, and it's a smaller company just to let me know the things that they're doing internally. And I don't get the sense that he's just doing that to get me in, you know. So I said, I still need about an hour. Can you give me that? Because I needed to process it. And I'm I'm not one that's going to be real quick to, to jump on that, because I wanted to talk to Trish about it, and so he said, sure, he said, I hope to hear back uh, some good news from you, and that's that's the lingo and language, you guys, good news, you ain't, you you ain't a leadzo, you know, that good news, and I said, I'll I'll call you back soon, I hang up the phone, text Trish, and say, I got to talk to you now, I mean, there ain't no waiting. Get out of the classroom. Do whatever you got to do. Go to the restroom, <laughs> whatever. I mean, there there was no time to wait. In that same, as soon as I hung up, the other employer that I started, that I reached out to, they 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 started reaching back out and saying, uh, I texted her, and no no, hang on, I'm getting my events confused. I talked to Trisha, and she said yes. This this sounds like exactly what you need to do. Go for it. Now, and we we were in agreement because the night before we had talked this through, uh, uh, you know, with the Lord present and said, if, if this is the job that he wants me to have, he will make it very apparent. And he did by this dude saying, we don't have your clearance. We don't have all this stuff yet. Can you start Monday? This is Friday. I'm like, so he made it very apparent, right? So we came to an agreement, said, yep, this is it. Within 15 minutes, I call him back on the phone. I say, hey, Milan, how are you doing? He's good. I said, I, I paused for a big minute because I wanted him to go, oh, man, what, what is he going to say? I said, you got a deal? I'm starting on my deal. Oh, great. It's good. to. He said, now I can call the dogs off. And I'm like, call the dogs off? What do you mean? He said, I would already started conversations with the CEO to call you directly. And I said, well, he can still call me. Let's chat. I mean, you know, I could talk to anybody. I'm, um, some people, that might throw them into a tizzy they're, they're just a human being and supposedly this this company and the CEO is a awesome guy to work for and so we sealed the deal there no sooner than I, than I hang up the phone the other employer said I text them and I say hey I just accept they offer me a job to start early I just accepted it I'm done with dealing with you and what she said she forgot to tell me that they had a reorganizational structure change in their, in their company. A reorganization, flag, flag, that's what they told me when they laid me off. And, um, so, and then she said, um, so it's with that change, there's, the tech team is falling under another person. I said, oh God, what, what, what does that mean? It meant I would have to go through a fifth interview before I could get to the president they changed, she changed the agreement and added an additional step of their bureaucratic internal way of doing things rather than going, forget that, you've already been through what we had established when you did it, but that was the indication to me that God said that is not the job for you, they're adding more on this, plus they wouldn't have been able to hire me until October the 17th. I said, nope, I'm done. She said, are you pulling out? I said, absolutely. Thank you. And I said, I bless your company and all everything you got to do. And then so that, that launched me into this, this new role that's going to start on Monday. So, And I say all that to come to this point here. I've been doing a lot of study about Elijah and Elisha. And a few weeks back... As I was studying this I was in 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 the gospel of Luke never seen this before at all you guys it's, it's another one of those timing things and we're going we're going to look at this in great detail in just a few minutes Elijah was an incredibly gifted individual. You know, we we know he made some mistakes along the way, but that was part of the plan for Elijah. That was part of his plan. It was. All the good, all the bad, and all the ugly, all the decisions while he's in the cave, while he's under the juniper tree, every bit of that stuff was father filtered. Everything we face in this life, every single thing, is filtered through our Father's eyes and His plan. We don't always view it that way. We tend to think, "Oh, if there's some kind of evil that's come upon us, or or we're encountering, oh, we bind, we loose, we, uh, we're sometimes we're binding and loosing things that God is allowing. So." That in and of itself is a learning experience. And we're we're at a new new level relationally and in the spirit realm with him that is, is much different than it was when we first started. And so I'm studying about Elijah, and I'm studying about specifically how he outran the chariot and made it to Jezreel before the dude in the chariot did and and i and i've gone into great detail explaining all this in this new book that i'm writing now we read that and you go wow that's supernatural there's much more to it than supernatural it is but when you start to study the events and where he was at the top of a mountain and he just demolished over almost a thousand demonic prophets that was That were eating at the table of Jezebel, there's major drought that's been in the land, but God has positioned him and hidden him to find supernatural sources in the midst of a drought called a brook and called ravens. That sounds like a new band, brooks and ravens, instead of brooks and dunn. I mean, seriously, this is part of this whole story. But we don't see it. But I'm, I'm he, he had me start at the very beginning. The first time Elijah is ever mentioned is in, in, in 1 Kings 17. And then you don't see much of Elijah after everybody, the whole the world, when he's taken up into heaven. He didn't die. Okay, great. What happened between chapter 17, 22, and leading up? I mean, there is a ton of, of things that happened to him. Did he make some mistakes along the way? Absolutely. Do you make mistakes? Yes. Can we learn from those mistakes? Absolutely. So as I'm studying this outrunning the chariot thing, because this is, this is one of those benefits of waiting on the plan, running and not being wearied, okay? Elijah, you know, this is humorous, was the fastest man On the planet, he outrun Hussein. Bolt, seriously. Now, no, I want you to think about this. There is no possibility for him humanly to outrun a chariot. Now, chariots, if you study it, and I've done this, have the capable. Normally, they have two horses, and then they have the chariot, and can get up to 35 miles per hour. They go from 20 to 35. Now, how in the world can a human being? This Ahab had a head start on this guy. Because Elijah's up there on the mountain still, after all the, can you imagine the bloodshed that's there? The fire of the Lord's come down. <laughs> the fire of the plan has come down, demolished 950 prophets. <laughs> Here he is, and he, he's praying for, for, oh, I hear a sound of an abundance of rain, right? The famine is being, getting ready to be broken. And, and he Ahab's there. I, if, if I were Elijah, you know what I would have done? I would have said, forget Ahab and the chariot. I'm taking care of myself. I'm getting out of here. He didn't do that. He said, you go ahead and go to Jezreel. Gave him a head start. Now, the terrain is another thing. Study the the terrain of the uh, Mount Carmel. Study the terrain from Mount Carmel to Jezreel. Study how many miles it was that he ran to that from Mount Carmel over to Jezreel. And it's estimated it's like 20 to 25 miles. On foot, supernaturally, outrunning something going 20 to 35 miles an hour. Break it down, do the math. That dude was running. I'm, well, I wonder what it would have been like to see this hairy man in a, it, with a leather girdle <laughs> running at that pace. He outran the fastest man on this planet today. That stuff is not detailed in, in, in the story, but when you study it... I don't know if these were angels asking me all these questions, but all these questions started coming flooding in from behind one day when I'm, I'm studying, and I had never thought, oh, hey, what was the terrain like? All these questions are coming. How fast was Elijah going to outrun that Ahab in that chariot? What did it look like? I mean, all these questions are flooding in, so I'm jotting them down, and later on, I, I, I start writing about it. When you look at the life of Elijah whom Gabriel spoke a lot of stuff about in Luke. And we're going to read this passage. He moved, the New Testament says he moved in the dunamis because Gabriel was sent to deliver that message to the people. Let's look here. Now, I'm going to move away from the office of the evangelist and the description. It's so hilarious, okay? If you read 2 Kings 1, I get so tickled. How did they know uh, they, they, what Elijah looked like? The Scripture says, if you look, it, it describes him as a hairy man. And it says he's girded about with a leather uh, girdle around his loins. And they say, oh, that's got to be Elijah the Tishbite. We all have identifiers and that's how they recognized some of the words that were coming. They didn't see the man. They just heard the words, and, and they knew the types of words that he was, he was releasing. Oh, that's got to be Elijah. So let's look at the pronouncement and messenger about John, and it's Gabriel. This is the I added a word here. This is the original intent of God in Luke 1, verses 18 through 19. And I just got it in parentheses for you. But don't mind, I'm going to read it. You can turn there. It says, And it came to pass that while he executed the priest office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of people were pro- prosjukamying. Man, let's get there. <laughs> Without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord on the right side of the altar. And Zacharias saw him, and he responded. There was two things that happened. He he was troubled. Tarasso, there he he was stirred. There was a stirring, like a roiling inside of him, an agitating kind of thing from the presence of who we know is going to be Gabriel here. And it said, Fear fell upon him, but the angel said, Hear not, Zacharias. You don't think God knows us by name and knows exactly what we're doing, where we're at every moment of the day? He knows. I mean, he's telling him, I'm addressing the fear that's come upon you, that fell upon you, and I'm calling you by name. And then let me tell you that I've recognized the prayer that you're, you're, you're engaging in, the de- deasis here. Your prayer is heard. And, and listen to this. And Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and you're going to call his name John. Now, later on in the discussion when uh, Gabriel is dispatched to, um, to Mary, Gabriel starts to speak of how, he, how God knew, and he knew that Elizabeth was barren. So here he is. He's, he's saying, you're no longer. You're going to move from barrenness to bearing a son. Miraculous. I mean, we know this now. Stay with me here, because there's, there's a lot more to go. And and you shall, and he shall have joy. Look at Gabriel making this pronouncement. And gladness. These are terms we just were in the seminar. And many shall rejoice at his birth. That's phenomenal. Three different distinctions of joy. Uh, um, the gladness, being able to, to jump for joy and to exalt the Lord, and and the rejoicing, the cheerfulness, that that, that it's, they're all three there. And then he says this: For he shall be magus in the sight of the Lord. He's not going to drink wine, nor is he going to drink any strong drink. He's going to be filled with the saintly wind. Look at all these themes that Gabriel is speaking about, oh, and, and we all know. He says he's speaking about the saintly wind coming and being filling, even from his mother's womb. Even on the inside, he's going to be filled with, with this. And then many children are going, to, are going to turn up a strethel. Now, this is an amazing term we're going to see again that means to revert and if you if you're reverting something you're returning it back to its original intent that's what it means the original intent of something or someone and it's the same word that's used for when we're converted that leads to strengthening the brethren same term and he shall go before him here it is in the numa and the dunamis of Elias, which is Elijah. And I read that a few weeks ago and it just pummeled me. I mean, it really did. And I mean, I dropped everything I was doing and I was just like awestruck. I'm like, wait a minute. And I immediately started thinking about all the studying. You look at the life and ministry of Elijah, he functioned in power, dunamis, explosiveness, right? And then immediately my mind is flooded by Philip. And I start all these characteristics that Philip had, I'm seeing in Elijah. Now we know, we know Elijah was a prophet of the plan, the prophet of the Lord. (laughs) But I'm seeing Elijah in a dual manner here. It says he functioned in Dunamis. And I start thinking, and and immediately I start going in and reading great all the miracles first one that ever took place after i mean you got the 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 breaking of the drought okay you've got the raising of the child the dead child right you've got angelic beings coming to him and communicating with the angels of yahweh all the several times throughout these stories philip what interaction with angels philip announcing good news elijah Receiving the word of Yahweh, the plan, and boom, he would release it. He, one thing about Elijah that I learned, he would release it and leave. <laughs> I mean, he wouldn't stay. He would be obedient, release it and go, and departed. Go back and look at it. It's very interesting. This hairy man coming in, releasing a word, wearing a girdle and got his belt on, and leaves. It, it's very interesting. So there's a similarity. So that's why I put here Elijah, a prophet and an evangelist. Question mark. It doesn't use the word evangelist, but we have Gabriel sent from God, the right hand, saying this about Elijah. So why why am I even saying this? Remember the long story I told you at the beginning. Dunamis has been applied to our situation and blew out any blockage that was there. God brought a grace cure in the midst of an impossible situation with our state and our federal government. He said, you know what? I, I can break through that. Here you go. Here it is. Totally unexpected. You go to work on Monday. <laughs> That's great. I think the days that are ahead of us are going to be the days of Elijah. The days of Elijah encompass outrunning chariots. The days of Elijah speak of raising raising people from the dead the days of elijah speak of everything that transpired from second kings first 7 kings 17 all the way to 22 and then over into second kings everything that he went through is indicative of us moving forward in powerful ways that we have not even known have any of you in this room ever been physically translated Have any of you ever been taken up into a whirlwind where you didn't die? Spiritually, yes. But I'm talking, these are physical things that happen. Yes, we can be transported in the breath of the Lord. Yes, all of that happens. But we are getting ready to take on some of these things here that are going to just, imagine outrunning a chariot, Monica, right now. Can you do it in the natural? No way. But these things are coming. I wonder what Elijah was thinking. I, I really, seriously. I mean, I, I even looked at the age of Elijah at this point. He was, he was not in his teens. He wasn't even in his twenties. He was, he was somewhere in the middle of his mid thirties, mid thirties range. For 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 some dude to outrun a chariot going twenty to thirty five miles an hour through rugged terrain coming down a mountain probably jumping over stepping over running through bloody prophets that had just been burned by the fire of the lord and i mean all of that is just incredible to me but it shows the god of whom we're partnering with and i'm telling you if if we can believe and trust we will see demonstrations of the dunamis like this that will just absolutely, there's going to be no, no human explanation at all to it. There will be no human, you can't say, Ron did this, Mark did this, I did none of it. <laughs> I didn't do any of it other than trust, believe, I doubted, there was unbelief, yeah, I did all that. And even in the midst of that, God was so faithful and he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to apply some dunamis here and this is a grace cure to fix this solution, this problem. And I think that's really amazing. Now, let's keep going here. Verse 17. I already read that that he's going to Now, what's the purpose, the purpose of the spirit and, and dunamis of Elijah? Number 1, to turn the hearts of fathers to the children. The turning and reverting back to the original intent of what God wants done. That is the objective, and the power, and function of d- divine dunamis. It has no human um, alloy in it at all. It is pure function, and when you when, and we know this, but there's there's I think there's maybe the Lord's doing some new heaven is thinking a different way with it. He, I know He has with me. I haven't thought about dunamis being applied to a job and opening it up, but it is. It is the power of the Lord to do this. We just don't think of it like that in a lot of ways. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient, those that, are, uh, that appear to be unpersuaded. Now, watch this. I've never seen this before. To the wisdom, phronesis. To the wisdom or the, the actions or the activity or insight of the just. That's wisdom. There is not Sophia, it's phronesis. <laughs> this is what operating in the, in the breath of the Lord in, in combination with dunamis does is it causes people to go back to the original intent be it getting fathers back to the children it doesn't matter it's bringing back to the original state that God said it needs to be that's dunamis here there's tons of people that are not going to be persuaded by anything we say I mean We experienced that over the years, but I'm telling you, this is going to take on new meaning here for all of us. Who's saying this? Gabriel is being dispatched from the right hand to deliver this. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. We all, we know that one, right? Prepare the way of the Lord, right? That's part of it. John's ministry wasn't just eating a bunch of crazy food and and being out in the wilderness. He's speaking about John operating the way Elijah did. I think that's incredible. And Zachariah said to the angel, this is his mistake here. Whereby shall I know this? I'm an old man. As if Gabriel and God didn't already know that. We do that. (laughs) I mean, you I've already said I did it several times in, in this 6, six seven-week process. I'm thankful God didn't shut my mouth. Maybe he, he needs to. I don't know. And my wife is well stricken in years. And the angel said unto him, I am Gabriel. That Now, this is, stand here. It's para He's standing alongside Gabriel. in the presence or in the face of God. He's right there with him and I am sent apostelloed. I've been released out from that place where right beside God to deliver something to you and to speak you angelizo these glad tidings, you angelizo. Gabriel is announcing good news. Gabriel is functioning in an evangelistic manner on a mission from God to do this. I hadn't seen that before. Either. I've read it, I've seen it, but wait, it's just like, okay. There's that connective with, you know, we talk about, you know, we know God's fivefold. We understand that. We understand the way God moves with his dimensions of his spirit. But man, this here, the evangelist is someone. That, uh, that announces good news. And the good news, it's not just the gospel. It's, he didn't say, I, oh, I'm coming to announce, you need to be born again here. Is that even here? No, no. The Ewing Elegio is the uh, whatever God's saying at that right hand, the good news that's being poured out there, we release it. That's what Gabriel's doing here. What's the good news? He's already told him a bunch of it, right? John, he's going to be functioning in mega power. That's another message. Um, Elizabeth, she's moving from barrenness into bearing a son. And I'm going to tell you his name, John. You're not going to believe it. I'm going to close your mouth, and then I'm going to open it, and you're going to begin to prophesy. I mean, all this stuff is going on in this. And so i referenced Luke 2.10 and Revelation 14.6, how angelic messengers release Eugenizo one angel in revelation is speaking of speaking of the everlasting youzzo pronouncements they're not their pronouncement is not the message of salvation. They come announcing good news. They are not about bad news. You can scratch that. What God says from his throne is, is focused on his good news and being released into the earth. This must have been a we know it was, major, major importance for him to release such a high-ranking angel to deliver this Euangelizo message. And I, can't, I, I have to believe that all this journey that I've been on with, with Elijah and all this study... And all these questions that kept coming from behind, even though I didn't see any angels, I didn't. But I had never, you know what it's like? They, they'll come sometimes, and you, they'll make their presence known. You can see them. Sometimes you feel them. Other times it's like they say all these questions. You know, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you? God does that. God does, the angels do that. And so I, I'm almost out of time. And I've only covered one little page here. So, I knew when I kept hearing this message about functioning in the spirit and dunamis of Elijah, I did not have any idea that everything that you see on your hand out there were the days of Elijah, how he functioned, what he did, all the details. We are going to be partnering with the Lord when drought is affecting other pockets of the world. When a pandemic's coming, he's going to hide us by the brooks. He's going to provide ravens to come and bring supernatural provision to us. Those kind of things are going to happen again and again. He told Elijah, he said, hide yourself there. Oh, wait a minute. God he's, God said to hide? Yes, he did. In this case, he said, go there. That brook is going to provide water. and he said, But but another thing is we're going to partner with widow-like people that are going to be used to help sustain us now that that whole story there <laughs> that started it all in 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 first king 17 the widow the lord directed elijah now this is key and remember I almost, I almost made some mistakes in here i tried to get another employer involved over here because i got frustrated right God still spared me. He said, no, no, that's not where I want you to be. You don't. So with Elijah, he did do nothing unless the word of the Lord came to him. Now, I'm not speaking of the mistakes he made. I'm just saying we do not need to move or try to do anything unless the word of Yahweh has come to us. If you don't have the word of the Lord, don't move. Stay where you're at. Stay where you're at, because the word of the Lord would come when, got, when he was ready to get direction, right? I mean, you study it. It's there. This is a grave danger for all of us, that we, can, we, we will try to change the times ourselves. I'm not talking about the enemy here. I'm talking about we can try to change times too, right? I tried to do it, but God in his mercy... Said, no, no, no! Don't, don't do that. You're gonna, you're gonna mess this up. So here he, he brings Elijah to to a widow. He's drought is there, and he comes to the widow, and the widow is saying, Hey, I, I only have this a handful of meal, and, and not much else to give you. We're gonna eat and we're gonna die. That was her perspective. <laughs> Elijah, he said some the most craziest thing on the, I've ever seen in scripture. The lady just said, I'm going to die, and so is my son. Elijah says, hey, go get get me a cake. Go get me something to drink. Do that first. How inconsiderate, right? I don't think there's inconsiderate at all. She's a widow. She has hardly nothing there, right? She is in the place of the miraculous. And at the word of the Lord, she does it. And because of her obedience... We read about the cruise that's unfailing. Nothing wasted until the day that the drought was broken. And then that miracle and those sources dried up. That's key. God is going to do the same thing with us like he did in the days of Elijah. Lead us to widow-like people that don't really seem to have anything to continually show us the miraculous walk that we're on we are too dependent on us providing things for our lives i'm just going to tell you like it we all are every single one of us in this room there's times where we, we we all say oh i trust the lord i trust the lord but there's something inside of us that if god said you quit your job i want you to i really want to test your faith i really want to see if you are dependent totally on me I'm, I, I, please hear me out here. You don't need a miracle when you got sixty thousand dollars in your bank account, or when you got money in your account week after week, right? <laughs> you got it all, and that's great. This wasn't the case here. These guys here, I look at the way they walk in their life, and I'm not, I'm not saying. Please don't walk away from here saying, you know, Mark said, uh, you know, I really don't trust. No, no, I, I'm trying to paint a picture here, okay? This, is, this has been my walk for, this is like the second time around. And your walk is going to be totally different. But what I am saying is we need to be 100% reliant on the Lord for what's coming that is going to be much darker than the pandemic we see right now. This is just a cakewalk compared to what's coming. Gross darkness has not covered the earth. It has not. Darkness is covering the earth, but when grossness comes, we're going to see what we're truly made of and whether we're going to crater and run and say, I don't know the Lord like Peter, or we're going to embrace it and move forward and believe God to bring a widow to sustain me, even though she's only got a handful of meal and a little bit of something else to go along. God God can make anything out of nothing. We know that, right? Partnering with his hand. So the days of Elijah encompass every one of those. And I'm telling you, I've done exhaustive. Those, those little points there, that's what Elijah did. That's functioning in Dunamis. That's functioning in the breath of the Lord and in an Elijah-like ministry. So that brings me to this last point. Oh my God, I won't even go over all the rest of it. Probably There's writing on this too. But I do want to say this, and this is something we all know, right? We, we know this, okay? We say you have one primary office, right? Scratch that. Okay, I want you to scratch that, and I'm going to tell you why. I'm just saying, whatever's been, I'm not trying to contradict anything. I'm just saying, when you look at Elijah and you see the revelation of the New Testament and him moving in dunamis here, you see the characteristics of him functioning in an evangelistic manner all throughout his ministry. We didn't, we didn't even talk about being in the cave. <laughs> we didn't even talk about being under the juniper tree. It, that's been taught before, but there's some things in there that are really, really, uh, it's a gold mine. But that's part of his path. That's part of his walk. But he functioned prophetically, and I believe he functioned characteristically as an evangelist. Now, Samuel, was he only a prophet? Nope. Prophet, seer. Prophet, teacher. How about Moses? Prophet, pastor. Shepherd terms raah are being used all over the place. He led a group of people. Oh boy, and he it was a congregation. That's what the term was in the Old Testament, right? He led a congregation called the children of Israel. What about Paul? Oh, let's give a New Testament example. Okay? Paul wrote, "I am ordained to Themed to be a preacher, apostle, and teacher." Scratch. One primary office. Those are examples, right? Why well, am I even mentioning that? Well, I had, a, I had a struggle in my mind to even come up here and include the subheading here. Elijah, prophet and evangelist. Never thought of him being that. But when, when, the, when you link Dunamis to his ministry, he functioned, even though it doesn't use Dunamis in the Old Testament, the power of his ministry is there. I mean, all over the place. What power do you need to raise somebody from the dead? They're dead. They're not functioning. How did he function? Power, boom, raised him from the dead. He did some unusual maneuvering, too. Ooh, God don't let me do that. I don't want to be getting on top of a kid, laying on top of them, and breathing into their... That's that's, that's really odd. Okay, how about Ezekiel? Ezekiel was a prophet. Ezekiel was a seer, too, right? He's the one that gives us a lot of the, the, the backdrop of uh, the throne and the the cherubs and, you know, Isaiah. Uh, so he he functioned as a prophet, seer, and a watchman too, right? I mean, I know a watchman is not in the fivefold listing there, but my point is, he did. They didn't function in just one primary way. These guys are functioning the way God to them made them to operate and function in the divine design, and they moved in it. We operate in a very similar way. There's, I can't tell you. Somebody asked me one point. Said, "Well, are you really functioning just as primarily as an evangelist?" I said, "No. Sometimes <laughs> you function as uh, I'm not, and I'm not going to get into the l- linguistics. Oh, are you a prophet too? I'm not, We we all can prophesy. We all can function in a prophetic way. I'm just saying we need to not limit anything that God can do inside of us internally or externally outrun that chariot (laughs) even after being in the cave god still met him along the way god did not abandon elijah what caused him to run away from jezebel initially when he saw the release of her words then he ran to beersheba This dude running all over the place. He should have been. That's why he was under that tree. He slept two different times. He's exhausted physically. The angel of the Lord, Yahweh, comes to him not once, but twice. The first time, I don't know if you've seen this. The the angel says, Arise, eat. He opens up his eyes, has has, uh, cakes baked, a, a, a water jug above his head. Looking around going, Man, who brought this? Who do you think? The angel's there angel food made supernaturally out in the middle of nowhere in a wilderness, mind you. We're going to be in places like that where we're in self-pity and we're maybe in depression or despair. You know, I've been there, but God will still meet us in the midst of a isolated, lonely place where we feel like He's nowhere around. Oh, I'm the only one. That's what He said in that context. And the angel He fell asleep again the second time. He's exhausted. He comes back and touches him and says, Hey, arise and eat, for the journey is great. And from that point on, remember, he just outran the chariot, but now he's getting ready to run run some more. Forty days and forty nights he went with the strength of that meat. I can tell you, we're going to need that type of strengthening for the days that are ahead. That's going to carry us for many, many days to come. That was a long journey. I've, I, I'm not going to go into any, any, any more detail about that. I've detailed it in the book. It wasn't like it was like two-tenths of a mile here. I'm talking about hundreds of miles that he would trek. He didn't have a chariot. How did he get there? What kind of shoes? You know, He didn't have Nike attire when he outrun the chariot. He didn't have the proper shoes nor the clothing. Imagine this hairy beast running at a high rate of speed going from Mount Carmel over to Jezreel through all these country and, and cities with, with the, you know, the clothing he wore, this, this belt wrapped around his waist. That must have been a sight to behold. We are in these days, the days of Noah. The days of Elijah. The days where we mentor the Elishas. And I'm telling you, you know, you know how we're going to know if an Elisha is meant to come up underneath the mentorship of this house? They're going to leave the oxen and go right after what, what God's doing among us. That's the key indicator. And now one thing that, that, that Elisha did, he says, can I go tell my father and mother goodbye. And Elijah said, what do I have to do with you? Go do what you need to do. That's what he told him. This was farewell to not only family, but his fortune, his occupation left it all. What did the disciples do? He's walking by, hey, follow me. They drop their nets, leave their occupation, and go follow him. You talk about true discipleship, that's it right there. Leaving it all at all costs. I'm not saying we we don't do that on our own directive. That was the word of the Lord saying that. That's the key. If the word of the Lord says it, guess what he's going to do? He's going to provide a widow to bring sustenance. He's going to send ravens to come and give you bread. And he'll take care of us. Don't walk out this door and say you're just going to go out and quit your job. If he didn't tell you to do that, you better not do it. I'm telling you, the word of the Lord is tried and true. And we can trust him. So I encourage you to take this and go back and read through those chapters about Elijah. Carry it over into the New Testament. You know, we, we, we talk about the mountain of transfiguration, right? Guess who shows up there? One of them. Elijah. Imagine you're in that scenario. I know, I know I'm running over. Sorry. Sorry. Did any of the disciples get scolded for, you know, Elijah being there and, and encounter? No, no, none of that. And there was no scolding at all. They were there to experience that, that, that change that took place in that transfiguration. There's a, lot, there's a lot to the New Testament. Don't be like the disciples that said, hey, these people are not with us over here. you Are going to call down the fire of the Lord like Elijah did? The Elijah fire experience carried over many, many decades afterwards. The disciples referenced it. They didn't forget that. How did that happen? People talk about that display of power being released. And this is the last thing, I promise. We know Elijah failed the first time around with Jezebel and Ahab, right? Came around a second time, and he was victorious. He spoke to Ahab and Jezebel, and he addressed it the second time around, and we know he prophesied that dogs were going to eat. And I know it's kind of crazy, but that's what happened. He came through that second time around, and he dealt with those demonic influences that he ran from previously. How did that happen? What change occurred from that time that first she released those words till? He said, you know what, I'm going to face this time and I'm not going to run. Everything that led up to that was encouraging and and pointed him in that direction. I feel like I'm in a cave and the word of the Lord is nowhere to be found. That's another whole thing altogether. All the external displays that took place, do you know not one of them got him to come to the mouth of the cave? The, the, The breaking of the mountains all the displays, he was still inside the cave. He didn't come to the entrance of the cave until he heard what? The still, small voice. The message for us is don't get caught up in all the external things that are going on. Be ready to hear that still, small voice, and that's what got him out of the cave. Go back and read it. Lord, thank you for the opportunity here. I know I've went way over, but... Um, Help us all as we move forward to partner with you and not doubt in our heart, but to speak to the mountain and to see you remove it. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.